Welcome to the Healing Embodied Podcast, where we have real and raw conversations about growth and healing that will shift your perspective in profound ways. We take a unique approach to healing the overthinking mind, creating conscious relationships, and living a life of courage and freedom. So take a deep breath and get ready to expand your mind, connect to your body, and activate your spirit. All right. Hello, everyone. I'm so excited that you are back for episode two, because today I have one of my favorite people on the planet. If you follow us on Instagram or social media, you might know her already. This is Sarah. She is my co-coach extraordinaire. She's a wizard. Uh, She is a light worker. Our clients absolutely adore her. and. Today, we're going to be chatting and I'm super excited. So, so glad you're here, Sarah. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. Hi, everybody. Yeah, um, I can start by telling you a bit about who I am. Um, So I'm Sarah. I'm the lead body-mind integration expert at Healing Embodied, um, co-wizard to Chelsea. Um, I started working with Healing Embodied uh, almost two years ago, August of 2020, I believe. Um, Started very minimally and have built up. And as of last night, Healing Embodied is my only job now, and I'm thrilled about it. Yes, so I I found dance movement therapy um, kind of organically throughout my life. So I grew up very active. I grew up dancing. I've been dancing since I was three um, at a local dance studio for many, many years. Loved it. I ended up going to college and majoring in dance. I went to Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. Um, And I also studied psychology. I double majored, specifically behavioral science, behavioral psychology. Um, And I went into it really not caring about psychology at all. Um, I just had it in my head that I should have a double major. Um, Both of my parents are therapists. My dad is a clinical psychologist, now retired. Um, My mom is a social worker, also now retired. So I kind of grew up around that field and and the helping professions. Um, So I really, I don't even remember really picking psychology. I think it kind of just picked me and it just kind of worked out. Um, Had, I, I liked it, I enjoyed it, but I had no plans to use it at all. Um, And then about junior year of college and undergrad, I fell wildly out of love with dance. Um, I did not fall out of love with movement, but I fell very painfully out of love with dance and did not want to have a professional career, did not want to keep pursuing that in the slightest, which was kind of earth shattering because everything I'd been working for, for literally my entire life, um, felt like it was falling apart in front of me. And that's when my mom actually said, why don't you look into dance therapy? I'd never heard of it. I didn't know anything about it. Um, And I read about it and was like, oh, 
well, that makes sense. <laughs> that, that's it. That's the thing. Um, and I ended up then going to grad school at Columbia College Chicago with Chelsea, um, which was also, the, I mean, there's a whole story about how I fell into the cohort that I fell into, which was the same cohort that Chelsea was in. Um, I was actually going to be in the cohort right below hers. And thank goodness I wasn't because my life would be very, very different. Um, and that's how I found dancing with therapy. And that's how I found Chelsea. And here we are. I, I love it. I, sometimes I forget that you almost weren't in our cohort and you guys, just seeing her as a student, seeing her facilitate like mock sessions, we had to do a lot of experiential work, seeing how, how much of an overachiever she was like me. I was like this girl, you know, when I started healing embodied, I was like this girl, <laughs> she needs to come work for me because her, her drive, her work ethic, her skill is just incredible. And I was like, mm, I'm going to need to steal her from whatever she's doing and have her come uh, work with me. But let's, let's actually go a bit into more of what dance movement therapy is. I mentioned it in the first episode where I talk about my story with anxiety, with religious trauma and shame and relationship anxiety and OCD and how dance therapy and being in the dance therapy program changed everything for me. Let's talk a bit about what dance movement therapy is, because I know there's a lot of people out there probably turning their head sideways and being like, what do you dance with people to make them feel better? Or do you do therapy with dancers? Like there is really not a lot of mainstream education or awareness on what dance therapy is. So Let's start. Let's start giving some mainstream education on the most, in my very biased opinion, the most incredible modality of therapy ever. So let's, in your words, Sarah, everyone has a very different way of describing dance therapy. So that's also hard to, in your words, what is dance therapy to you? What does it mean to you? Yeah. Um, I love that question. I also, I have the definition of dance movement therapy, like from the ADTA, the American Dance Therapy Association up on my computer. Um, and it's not the definition that I use generally in my life. Um, dance movement therapy to me is using movement to find a life that feels better to live. Like it, it, that can mean so many things like using movement to heal, using movement to feel better in the present moment, using movement to build a future that you want to be building. But just generally speaking, I mean, therapy to me outside of dance movement, dance movement specifically, just therapy is yeah, building a life that feels better to live. And to me, dance movement is the only way to do that. I mean, again, I share your very biased opinion, but and dance and movement is what has helped me feel at home in my body and at home in my life. And I feel that you can't you can't feel at home in your life if you don't feel at home in your body. And how can you connect to your body without movement? Oh, mic drop. You can't feel at home in your life 
if you don't feel at home in your body. I'm so with you on that. And yeah, to me, dance movement therapy is about using your body and using, not just using your body, but in, involving your body in creative process to work through things, to understand yourself, to process your emotions. And like you said, to, to build a life that feels more fulfilling and holistic, because there's a lot of, there's a lot of, um, talk on the social medias about nervous system work, about somatic work, which is amazing. I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And also that's not the whole picture of what dance movement therapy is. Dance movement therapy takes somatic type work and goes beyond because it's involving creativity. And to me, creativity is what helps you to break out of rigid thinking. It's what helps you to see things in new ways. It, it's what helps you take something that you once felt stuck with and to create something out of it to where you don't feel stuck with it anymore. And you then feel empowered in relationship to that thing that you once felt disempowered with because creativity is all about new options and new possibilities. And so to be able to, to fuse creativity with moving your body, you're literally creating new ways to move an emotion, creating new ways to process an emotion, creating new ways to feel, creating new neural pathways that you didn't have access to before. And that's, I think what our clients always name is like the sorcery part <laughs> of our work. You guys, our clients at the end of every session, like we can't even count how many times we have a client be like, my mind is blown. That was sorcery. How did we just do that? I've never, I just experienced more shifts in one hour than I have in 10 years of therapy. And I really think it's, it's the fusion of involving the body and then and inviting yourself into a creative process in relationship to your emotions, to your thoughts, to your life and to your experiences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that happened this morning with a client for me. Um, she, at the end of session, she was like, I'm mind blown. I'm mind blown. This is insane um, in a good way. And yeah, all, all we were doing I shouldn't say all what we were doing was we were moving through why she feels so much discomfort in the present moment. And the learning there was that because she's she was feeling very confused because I'm feeling discomfort in the present moment, but nothing is quote unquote wrong in the present moment. So why do I feel so wildly uncomfortable? And what we moved through and what we got to was that it, it's not her present moment self that is detecting a threat. It's a past version of her. It's her younger self that's coming up. And cognitively, just by talking about it, she wasn't getting there. She wasn't finding that golden nugget of information. She wasn't finding the connection between what's happened in her past and how it's showing up right now in the moment. But when we went into the body, that younger version of herself just immediately popped up. She was immediately able to connect with it and sit with it and identify the, the need that wasn't met in her past. And, and we could move through how to rewrite that story and meet that need in her body right now. Yeah. 
I had a very similar experience with a client yesterday. We literally physiologically rewrote an experience from her childhood by embodying something different, embodying meeting a need that she didn't get at a certain age. She was hugging herself, soothing herself, kind of caressing her arms and breathing, doing the things that her younger self never got from a parent. So what a lot of people don't know is that your subconscious or your stored pain, your trauma does not speak the same language as your rational brain. We have so many clients that come to us. They're like, I rationally see this concept. I rationally know what happened to me. I rationally get why I'm anxious, but I just don't know why it's not shifting. I don't know how to access it. I don't know what to actually do with it. And so we have like our reasoning, logical brain, our prefrontal cortex, and then we have our emotional center, our center in our brain, which is connected to our nervous system and our nervous system runs through our body. So I like to see this as thinking brain and emotional brain, conscious self and unconscious or subconscious self. And our subconscious manifests as the automatic reactions and patterns and responses in our nervous system and body. So an example would be you consciously want a healthy relationship. You consciously, you, you are like, this is what I want. I want someone who treats me well. I want someone who's kind. I want someone who's loving. I want someone who's supportive. I want someone who listens to me and seeks to understand me. This is what I consciously want. And then you get it. You have it. You have a partner who's kind and supportive and loving and really amazing. And then suddenly this partner, for example, brings up commitment, the next step of commitment and your body, <gasps> your throat closes, your, your chest gets tense. You feel a dropping in your stomach, your shoulders go inward. So this is the subconscious. This is the trauma. This is the pain manifesting in the body. And you're like, why the heck do I feel this way? I have everything that I have consciously wanted. I've consciously chosen this person. Why is my body doing this thing? And then people make a lot of meaning about that. Well, maybe it's not what I really want, or maybe it's, it's wrong, or maybe there's something that I'm not seeing. My body's telling me and what we find with our clients as we, we go into the body is that the body reveals these old stories that have been buried in the subconscious, these old programming and conditioning from their past, from society, from culture, from other relationships, from their family. That's all stored in our body and becomes our subconscious and our subconscious beliefs, our subconscious behaviors dictate like 90% of our emotions and our behaviors. So that's why you could consciously want to move forward with your partner, but your body's like <laughs> contracting because your subconscious is actually running the show for the majority of the time until we bring the subconscious into the conscious. Yeah, absolutely. You said something very interesting that we hear so much from clients is 
they start listening to their bodies and then what comes what tends to come next is this like but what if my body is telling me something that i'm missing what if this is a gut feeling what if this is my intuition what if what if me not leaving my partner or not running or not doing blah, 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 X, Y, and Z is me missing some hidden truth that my body is revealing. And what's happening there is you're trying to interpret the the information from the body through the language of the mind still. You are interpreting the information that your body is giving you through logic, through stories, through meaning making, through the narrative, through the language of the mind. And we can't we can't do that because that is still a fear-based logic approach. We need to learn, and this is where I think dance movement therapy is just supreme in all ways. Like we need to learn how to speak the language of the body. So we are hearing what the body is telling us and not what the mind thinks the body is telling us. We're actually listening to the language of the body and not hearing what the body's telling us through this other lens or this other filter. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you're trying to speak to your body in a language that the body doesn't understand. And so the language of the body is sensation. It's movement, right? The body, we communicate to the body and with the body through movement, through sensation. And a lot of people go immediately into interpretation like mental thoughts, this must mean, and of course it's always a fear-based thought. So this must mean I'm doing something wrong. And they try to make meaning of this sensation based on their present reality. Okay. I had that reaction. My partner brought up commitment. So maybe my body's telling me that I really shouldn't do this instead of, okay, how do I learn to speak the language of my body? How do I feel into sensation? How do I move with what's happening and see what's really going on? What is this reaction really about? And what our clients always find is that it's not really about what's happening in their present moment. That's where the mind looks. Until we become conscious of our subconscious programming, the mind is just going to look at your immediate surroundings. It's going to look to the things that matter most to you. So your relationship your health, your career, your sense of self. It's going to just look immediately what's around you. But when we go into the language of the body, we learn to be with sensation. We learn to move with these experiences as we access the, these subconscious regions, then it, it opens the portal. (laughs) It opens the door for past memories to arise. So as we get into the body, our clients are like, whoa, whoa, I just, whoa, I just had this memory or I just had this thought of something that happened X, Y, Z. And the body then reveals where this reaction is really rooted in. And that's what this work allows our clients to do is to finally connect those dots not just mentally and cognitively, cognitively, but viscerally to viscerally connect the dots to where it's this whole mind body resonance, this whole mind body congruence of like, Oh yes. And then the tears come, the release comes and, and the awareness and the light bulb moment happens for our clients. Yeah. And then, I mean, not just the 
connecting the dots and the light bulb moments, but then the, now what? Like, what do I do with it now? Like, how do I, how do I shift this so that I can actually begin responding to what's happening in my present moment through the language of the body-mind, this holistic view versus responding to what your mind is thinking is happening in the present moment. When we have the embodied awareness of these past narratives and the pain and the wounds and where these are being stored in our body and how they're influencing us now, when we have that embodied awareness, then we can actually begin to shift it. Then we're, we're not stuck in that. It's not just, oh, I get it now. Goodbye, right? It's, I get it now. And now I get to build a life that I actually want to live that is rooted in present moment and trust and awareness and embodiment and not just stored in your mind. Yeah, and that, that takes us back to that creativity piece is once you have this awareness of where this reaction is coming from, you then get to create a new pattern instead of automatically reacting from this subconscious pattern you get to create a new one you get to create now how you're going to show up in your life you get to choose what to do in the moment if that old pattern resurfaces and you get to rewire it from an embodied place instead of saying okay next time this happens i'm just going to do this you actually teach your body how to do that so that when you're in that moment where the old trigger comes up, instead of being like, oh God, ah, ah, what do I do? What do I do? Like you have actually taught your body a new response. You have created new pathways, a new roadmap is what we'd like to say. You've created a new roadmap for how to respond and what to do in those moments. And that's where so many of our clients that come to us, like, yeah, I've been in therapy for 10 years. I know so much about myself. I have self-awareness out the wazoo. I just have no idea what to do in the moment. I have no idea. I was never given any sort of practical, tangible things that are going to help me in the moment when the trigger comes. I know why I'm being triggered, but when the trigger comes, all your rational awareness goes out the window when we are triggered when our old pain is being resurfaced and poked at in the moment logic and reasoning goes out the window and you are seeing your present moment through this very filtered distorted lens of fear and pain from the past so when you start working with your body and creating new pathways you finally get to have a new option you finally get to do something in that moment to change what you're experiencing in your body. Because when you're in a triggered fear state and your rational brain goes offline, a lot of people keep trying to come at it with more logic and more reasoning. And then your mind keeps saying, well, no, but what if it actually is? What if the, da, 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 da? And you just keep fighting with yourself. But when you can actually change what's happening in your body and regulate, come back to the here and now in your body instead of your body thinking you're in the past then your rational brain comes back online so body first mind second and that's what our clients every time they're like game changer game changer game changer like that was the thing that was a game changer for me i never knew how important 
my body was in this whole anxiety thing. I mean, it goes beyond anxiety. This, this work is for emotion because emotion lives in the body. So if you have emotion. Uh, I think it's fair to say that this work would be so beneficial for you. And if you have a body, I mean, there is not, there is not a single human being on this planet that does not have a body. We all have very different bodies. We all use our bodies differently. They all look differently. They all have different abilities. But if you have a body, if you are flesh and bone, then this work is for you because you have a body and we all need to use the body first and then the mind second. Agreed. And what so many people in a very cognitive, cerebral Western world, Sarah and I live in the United States, so it's very Western, very cognitive focus. What we often forget is that we came into this world solely communicating and experiencing the world through our body. You think about a baby before we learn to speak, before we learn to walk, we're dancing, we're making sound, we're jiggling, we're wiggling, we're crying, we're expressing. That's how we experience the world. We touch the world, we smell the world, we taste the world, we we express through sound and 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 gesture and body language, and we experience our caregivers through embodiment. We experience our caregivers through touch, through body language, through tone of voice. So we come into this world as little embodied beings who process everything through the body. And then we get this beautiful ability to have language and to think and to reason and to reflect and to process, which is amazing. But then somehow, I mean, I think I know why this happens. We're trained to shift all of our focus to our mind, to our thinking. And there, I don't know of any... (laughs) you know, school, elementary school program that focuses on how to help our children be more embodied, how to regulate their emotions and express their emotions through movement. It's all about, you know, sit still, get an A on the test, learn this thing, master this thing, think, 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 think. So we're kind of trained from a young age to forget about our bodies. I mean, you think about children, they need to move. They are not at the place where they can sit still for hours. And then a child learns that their need to move is a behavior problem. And so from an early age, we learn to disconnect and disassociate from our bodies. And then we, we wonder why we have such a hard time with our emotions. We wonder why more thinking isn't helping. And so really this work is about coming back home to your first language. All of our first native language was movement, was expression, was embodiment. And, and that's universal. That is a universal language. Yeah, totally. I mean, it's, it's coming back to the body. It's exactly what you're saying. I mean, we are conditioned, we're taught to minimize the language of the body, sit still, be quiet, don't move. And I mean, there are, there are programs, places in the world that, that do 
foster like movement and more developmental approaches for kids like schools and programs but generally speaking it's you know recess for what 30 minutes one time a day only until you get to like seventh grade and the other several hours a day you are sitting in a classroom staring at a chalkboard or a whiteboard or a smart board whatever it is and it's all cognitive like it even if you are given space to release in your body like recess gym class that kind of thing we're not taught how to be in our bodies we're not taught okay when you feel a stomach ache sitting in class that might be anxiety here are some things you can do about it when you feel really hot in your body that might be anger here's how you can express that safely so we give kids just like pockets of space to express um, but we don't really help them learn how to express emotional energy safely in the moment and often these emotions that kids experience are just pathologized right or told to be quiet, go to, go to the principal's office, whatever it is. And so, and then of course, as adults, we're learn we are expected to sit in an office and there's just, there's just so many things. There's so many ways in which we learn to be disembodied and even <clears throat> the, the vast majority of therapy approaches are still cognitive and people wonder why they are in therapy for their whole life because they're not actually connecting with the source of their emotions we have this amazing guest lecturer in one of our programs his name is dr russell kennedy he's an award-winning author of this book called anxiety rx and he shared something in one of our groups that i actually didn't know so he's a doctor he's done like neurosurgery and stuff like that he said like in brain surgeries they don't put you under or numb you because your brain feels they numb you because you know your skull has sensory uh you know sensors but your brain doesn't actually feel your brain doesn't feel sensation your body feels sensation and sarah and i were both like mind blown like what and that is exactly why we do what we do because we think if i can just think about my emotions if i can just use my brain to process my emotions then it'll get better but your brain isn't the one that feels your brain is the one that thinks your body is the one that feels your body feels a sensation when you think about an emotion and for a moment and notice how that emotion actually feels in your body. What are the sensations? What's the energy of the emotion like? Because for most of us, when we have an emotion, we immediately focus on the thoughts that are associated with the emotion, the thoughts that come with the emotion. But we're, many of us don't actually know how to just be with the emotion itself. Emotion is energy in motion. It's sensation in the body. Emotion boiled down is just sensation. It's sensation. So, in order to fully process our emotions, 
we have to meet the emotions at their source, which is in the body through sensation, through movement. Think of how a different emotion moves. I like to say that an emotion can be the expression or the manifestation of an emotion can be boiled down to sound, breath, and movement. If you were to take out the words, how does the emotion sound? How does the emotion of sadness sound? <laughs> how does the emotion of sadness breathe? <laughs> how does the emotion of sadness move? Maybe shoulders are forward, maybe kind of caving inward, maybe heaving. So emotion can be broken down. The expression of an emotion can be actually most accurately broken down into sound, breath, and movement. The words are just how you try to communicate that emotion to someone else. But 80% of communication even is nonverbal. Did you know that, folks? 80% of communication is nonverbal. So even when we're talking about an emotion, if we're just talking about it, we're only getting to 20% of what's really going on when we're talking about that emotion. 80% of communicating an emotion or communicating in general is nonverbal. Yeah. And I mean, we're not getting, we're only getting to 20% of the emotion. And I'm thinking of like other therapy approaches where you are primarily talking about the emotion. And even if you feel into the emotion in the moment, even if you allow yourself to feel it, what makes dance movement therapy a little bit different is the embodied knowing. So if I'm doing talk therapy and I have a client in front of me who is showing all of the things you just described, they are heaving, they're, <laughs> they're hunching forward, crying, breathing really intensely and fastly. I'm still going to be describing what I'm seeing through the language of the mind. I'm still going to be saying, I can tell how sad you feel right now. What is coming up as you feel into your sadness? How do you allow yourself to feel sad? I'm still asking, prompting, interpreting, and engaging with that movement through language, through the mind, which is causing the client then to engage with the emotion through the mind. Yes, they might be feeling it and, and displaying it, but they're not engaging, interacting with the emotion through the language of the body. They're still attempting to do that through the language of the mind. Dance movement therapy, I'm going to embody this emotion with you. I'm going to breathe with you. I'm going to... <sighs> I'm going to embody it. I'm going to breathe it. I'm going to move it. I'm going to shift it with you in real time, which is teaching your body in real time how to move that emotion, not to engage with it through language, how to engage with it through its own language, through the language of the body. That's where the sorcery comes in. Y'all, I wish you could see us as we're having this conversation because we're both like, swirling and moving and like, <laughs> we can't help but to like move when we talk and that's another part of this work is as you get to know your body and learn how to express your emotions you are just so much more expressive so dance movement therapy isn't only to help you process emotions 
it also just helps you to access a fuller range of self-expression. Like we're both talking here and we're like dancing as we talk and I'm like shimmying. And <laughs> that's just how, that's how I communicate with the world. That's how I express. And I actually had a client recently say, I love how much you talk with gestures because it actually helps me to more clearly understand what you're saying. Cause I'm saying it with my words and then I'm embodying it with my movement, with my arms, with my torso, with my hands. And so you, it, it just helps you to become a more conscious communicator because you're, you're aware of your words and then you're aware of how you're expressing what you're saying through your body. And so it, dance movement therapy helps you along the full spectrum of human emotion from pain all the way to pleasure and self-expression and self-actualization. Like, I just don't know of an area of life that dance movement therapy doesn't touch, that it doesn't help with because it has, it has supported me in my life in all areas, even when it comes to starting this business. Oh my God, that was one of the most, it's been one of the most embodied experiences of my life because starting a business and being seen in the world, especially online, brings up a lot of emotion. And so I've been able to use dance movement therapy and this work to help me run my business, to help me process the emotion and the challenges that come with running a business. And that has nothing to do, well, I don't want to say it has nothing to do with, you know, pain. It's, I have to process a lot of pain, but it's supporting me in my pleasure. It's supporting me in being able to receive more and hold more goodness in my life. It's supporting me in becoming more financially stable because my body is bringing up all of the, um, old beliefs about money and scarcity that I grew up with. So there's just, I just don't think there's any area of life that this work doesn't support you with. Absolutely. There isn't, I I don't think I'm trying to think of one and I can't. Um, And I think that's where, you know, going back to like, how do you define dance with therapy? um, Why that rings so true for me of, you're creating a life that feels good to live for you. Um, and that's something that I really value about like what, what you and what we've built at Healing Embodied specifically, um, because it's, it's not just what do you not want to feel in your life? It's not just how can we, you know, move through pain, sorrow, suffering, anxiety, fear, anger, discomfort, not just eliminating what you don't want to feel, but it's building what you do want to feel. So in, like you said, in building this business for yourself, you, you focused on what do I want this to be? What do I want this to give me? What do I want to feel in this business? And yes, in order to reach that and have access to that, you've had to heal a lot of deep pain and a lot of past trauma and pain and narratives and fears. You've had to do that work and the work has been building what you want it to be too and especially our folks who um, experience anxiety in relationships so many of them come to us and say like i just don't want to feel anxious anymore and then when we say okay what what would you want to feel tell me like 
tell me your vision, best case scenario, what do you want to feel? They tend to freeze and they're like, I don't know. I don't know. And hello, this brings us back to creativity again. Then we get to take them into, all right, let's dream. Let's imagine. Let's create. Let's cultivate. Let's become curious. It's okay that you don't know what you want in your life. Let's be curious about it. Let's create it together and just see. Oh, I just get chills. I get chills because it's just amazing. And we were talking about this this morning about this work isn't about processing pain, but also expanding your body's capacity to hold pleasure. A lot of people say, if only I could just have this, if I could have the perfect partner, if I could just get out of this situation, if I could have the financial security, if I could have the things that I want, then I wouldn't be anxious. Then, you know, these challenges, emotional challenges would go away. No, (laughs) because ironically, and I speak from experience, ironically, when you have all the things that you want, when your life is actually going really well, you will still notice fears of losing it. You will notice fears of being unworthy to have good things. And so it's about being able to also hold the capacity to have all of these things and to feel safe with it and to receive it and to not have all of this like (laughs) about it but to really be able to breathe into it, to feel a sense of ease within the goodness. A lot of people are actually really afraid of of success. They're afraid of things going really well because then that might mean they have a lot to lose. Or then that might mean that they no longer Um, have their identity of suffering that they've clinged to for so long. Or maybe that means they move beyond the, the patterns of their family that they've always known. And so we have to teach our body even how to hold more goodness, hold more pleasure, feel safe in having, feel safe in receiving. So this work supports you in the full spectrum of the human experience. And I just, I want the world to have that. I want people to know how their body is their greatest ally in their life, in creating the life that they want for themselves in creating the relationships that they want for themselves. I want people to know your body has always been there here's how to work with your body. Here's how to move with your emotions. And it's not like we're teaching you a series of poses or techniques like yoga. We're teaching you how to build a relationship with your body where you're always in communication with your body, where you ask your body, body, what are you feeling right now? How does this feeling move? And what do you need in response? And again, that creativity comes in instead of like, okay, what's, what's the pose I do? What's the move I do? What's the breathing technique I should do here? It's you're creatively navigating what's going on inside of you moment to moment to moment to moment. It is a living, breathing relationship that is created with your body. Yeah, absolutely. It is. It's a relationship 
with your body. And it's, I mean, it, it baffles my mind how much resistance there can be to that. Or, or when I hear like, no, that won't work for me. And I'm all for find what works for you. And if it's, if it's genuinely not dance movement therapy, fine. And, and you have a body, your body's not going anywhere. You are still in relationship with your body. Um, so how, how could a better working relationship with your body not help you? It just, it baffles my mind. And it is, I mean, you and I talk about this all the time, Chelsea, that what we do or what we are asking you to do, it is in many ways, it's very simple. It's not easy. It takes so much awareness, so much holding, like what, what we, what you and I do is not easy by any means. And I'm so thankful for the hours and hours and hours of training that we've had because I genuinely need it in order to do this safely. And returning to your body, listening to your body, saying, hey body, what do you need today? And then doing that thing. It is actually a lot more simple than you think it will be. But the vast majority of people on this planet are so disembodied that it doesn't feel simple in the slightest. So what I what I perceive and feel as, oh, you just need to tune into your body. You just need to be aware of your body. There's layers and layers and layers and layers and layers of how to do that. Um, and that, I mean, that to me, that's what makes this work just so incredibly fulfilling for me and for the clients is the simplicity of it and what it takes to reach the simplicity of it, the, the immense complexity of the simplicity. Oh, I love that. I love that so much because there is so much resistance. There's so much resistance from the mind. If your whole life you've been taught that your body is bad or you experience trauma and so you have all this pain and discomfort stored in your body and you've never learned how to safely be with that, it can feel really scary to suddenly be in your body. It can feel unsafe to be in your body. And, and we definitely, um take all of these challenges into account as we do this work and we use our, our clinical skills and our you know co-regulation and we use all of these things to support our clients in safely being able to come home to their body when they come home to their body and there's all of these um visitors that have been waiting <laughs> maybe the visitors that feel kind of scary or abrasive or intense and they don't know what, what do I do with this visitor? We support them in, we're like the mediator, the mediator between them and these things that once felt so scary and felt so unmanageable. We help them to navigate that and we support them and we help them feel safe and we help them to slowly, gently, lovingly, compassionately meet their bodies. And what results, I get freaking emotional every time I think about this, what results is always the most incredible, beautiful thing. And we have a lot of clients who come to work with us and they're like, I'm afraid of what my body's going to tell me. I'm afraid of what I'm going to find there. And what they always find is this newfound love and compassion and empathy and strength 
and resilience and humanness. I've never worked with a client who found a scary, horrible monster, even if initially the, you know, you kind of see this um, shadow, then it looks like, oh, it's going to be a monster. And then you get, you know, you pull behind the curtain and it's a scared little kitten. And I've never met a client who was like, oh my God, that was the worst thing I've ever found out in my life. <laughs> they are so grateful to have met their body and really heard and sat with the pain that has been dying to be seen and loved and held. Your body has been dying to meet you and work with you and be loved by you instead of constantly feeling like your body and your mind are always fighting with each other. It's this sense of just congruence, your body and your mind being on the same team, the same page, you and your body against the world. I don't like saying against the world, but <laughs> you and your body taking on the world together. And that's, I mean, that's a TED talk right there. Yeah, that uh, it's reminding me of an individual session I had yesterday with a client and um, what was coming up as we were just kind of chatting and checking in was just, it was grief. There was just so much grief being stored in her body and she was terrified of it, like trembling, sobbing, just terrified of this grief. And we just stood up, I put on some music and we just danced with her grief. For 25 minutes or so we just danced with it we just had a duet we had a dialogue we engaged with it instead of being so terrified of it and what she said at the end she she was i mean per usual she was mind blown and she was like it was just a dance it was just a dance that was it it wasn't scary it wasn't terrifying it didn't kill me i was here and there were so many layers throughout it i mean she was she was very scared to see her grief and she was very scared to be witnessed in her grief. She felt so much fear of judgment. Um, so to have me there, have another person there to see her, to witness it, to say, I, I see you. I love you. I, I'm here for you. I'm holding space for you. Be in your grief. I'm here with you was so incredibly healing. And that created a new narrative and a new relationship with grief and with her body and with her emotions. And what we talked about at the end was that grief, really any emotion, but for her, it was grief. When you don't attend to it, when you don't tune into it, when you don't look at it and move with it, it's this like scary ghost that's inhabiting your house. You don't know when it's going to come and like slam the door, or flip the table or send books flying across the room. You just don't know. So you're constantly living in fear of this ghost that's living in your house. But when you look at it, when you move with it, it's just energy. It's, it's not a ghost. It's not something scary. It's not going to hurt you. It's not going to harm you. Yes, it might be wildly unpleasant. Grief, I've never met a person on this planet who feels pleasure in grief, maybe comfort, but not pleasure. It, it's probably never going to feel pleasurable in your body. And it's just discomfort. It's just pain. You can move with pain. We can be with pain. It's the mind that creates the suffering around it. 
Mm. Yeah, so freaking beautiful. And I think this is a good place to close um, and just leaving you all with just this awareness that your body longs to be in relationship with you. Your emotions long to be seen and witnessed by you. Your emotions long to be, dare I say, danced with. <laughs> Doesn't have to, you don't have to have a choreographed routine or have any skill, but it's just the idea of relating to your emotions in a new way and giving them a space to be expressed, to be expressed in the way that emotions need to be expressed, which is through the body. So if you are as lit up by this conversation as we are, I mean, I'm just, I just could talk about this forever. And I realize we're coming on an hour here in this episode and I could keep talking. So if you are as lit up by this conversation as we are, and you want to know more about body work, working with us, do check out our Instagram. You can follow us there at healing.embodied. And also check out our website, healingembodied.com. And you can see all the ways to work with us. And if you're new to finding Healing Embodied and you've stumbled upon us and you're loving what we're talking about, shout out to us on Instagram, send us a DM, let us know that you have listened and that it spoke to you. So thank you, Sarah, so much for being here. Uh, literally, I know we could keep talking about this and don't worry, we will have her back on. She's going to be on this podcast a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. So thank you so much, Sarah, for having this juicy conversation with me. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Thank you everyone for listening. I'm excited to come back. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for being here and we will chat with you next time.